No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. Good morning, everybody. My name is Michael Hellickson. I'm one of the coaches here at Club Wealth Coaching and Consulting. And uh, super excited, I've got my co-host, Brian Curtis is with us. He's from Bentonville, Arkansas. And uh, I'm not going to tease Brian about Bentonville today because he gets enough of that from everybody else. So I'm just kidding. I'm not sure why today would be any different. I, right? That's what I'm thinking. I'm just, I don't, for some reason, I'm just feeling like, nah, don't do it. Just don't tease him about Bentonville. But hey, anybody that does over 330 transactions a year can handle it a, a little teasing from time to time. So I don't, it's kind of like I saw a movie once and they said, don't ever feel sorry for a man that owns a plane. Well, in our world, I would say never feel sorry for a guy that does 330 plus transactions a year. So uh, Brian, I'm sorry, man. I don't feel sorry for you. That being said, we've got uh, Coach Misty Bruton with us as well. And Coach Misty, it's so awesome to have you today. We need to get you on more often, seriously. Awesome. Uh, so glad you're here. Uh, I got to tell you, I got just really quick anecdotally, I got to tell you guys about uh, Coach Misty. When she and I met, uh, right about three years ago, uh, she, her best year ever was, correct me if I get this wrong, but it was, it was about 35 transactions? About 42. About 42. Okay, well, that's close. So 42 transactions in a single year, which you'd been in business at the time for 14 years. And now, oh my gosh, so we started working together. So I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember she drove all the way from Houston, or excuse me, from Austin to, was it, it was Dallas or Houston? Houston. It was Houston where that golf cutting and country club was. That's right. Rick Ranis was at that event. So she drives all the way up there, drives a couple hours to come hear me speak. I had no idea why, you know, but uh, she drove all the way up there. And I remember this beautiful woman showing up and all bright eyed and bushy tailed and excited to learn. And I was, and I was kind of a little, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. I wasn't used to having somebody drive that far to come hear me speak. And, and she's like, I'm just, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. I'm going to do whatever you tell me. I'm all in. I'm do, Let's do this. And I'm like, yeah, okay, heard that before. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. And holy cow, look out, literally within, I mean, well, now it's been less than three years. What did you do last year in transaction count? And what does it look like you're going to do this year? We did 250 last year, and our goal this year is 500. We'll probably come in right at 375. Dude, you guys are going to, you're crushing it. You're just crushing it. And what's really cool is Misty's completely out of production now. So Misty, you don't go on appointments. You don't, you don't do any of that. You literally just work on the business. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Super cool. Super cool. So, all right, well, we're really glad to have you on. And then of course we've got our special guest today, Mr. Anthony Manzon and uh, Anthony's a Keller Williams agent that's crushing it. And uh, you know, we're talking today about, the art of failing forward. And it's interesting that this is our topic. I was literally having the same conversation with my team this morning uh, about, you know, what does that really mean? You know, what is what, you know, and, and specifically I was asking myself, why do people quit? And before we dive deep into Anthony and what he's going to share with us, I want to ask you, I want to pose that question to you guys. Why do people quit? What is it, you know, because so, at some point in someone's life, they made a commitment, right? And, and it could be big commitments, it could be small commitments. But at some point in our lives, we've made a commitment to do something, 
whether it's, you know, I'm going to take my wife on a date once in a while. I'm going to spend more time with my kids. I'm going to go and crush it. I'm going to do more transactions this year. I'm going to, you know, whatever. At some point you made a commitment to yourself and somewhere along the line, a lot of people seem to give up on that commitment. They quit that commitment. So I'm posing the question to you guys, why, why do people quit? What causes that? Yeah. Do you want me to answer that? My uh, anybody? Point? Yeah, sure. Please. I think um, the reason why people quit, the, the thing I think about is success is a math equation. And every day you take action that either gets you closer to your goal or takes you away from it. And I think failure is when somebody takes enough action, they take the wrong action enough to where that equation goes to the opposite side. And eventually, because they made too many actions, whether that's hitting the snooze button too many times or having that one extra cookie, it's just a math equation. They didn't take enough action that took them to success and took them to failure, ultimately to the point where instead of failing forward, they just failed backward to the point where they felt like they couldn't do it anymore. What do you think caused that though? I mean, like, well, I mean, so they didn't take the action, but why, why did they, and, and, and even more so than just, you know, the, the omission of the action. I think that they're in a lot of cases at some point, people just give up. They just quit. Why? Like that's what I'm. That's that. That question has been has been gnawing at me all week, and it can be. It could literally be somebody's on your team, and they decide they're going to go get a job somewhere else, or or someone is in a particular profession, and they decide they're going to switch gears and go into a completely different profession, or someone's headed in a direction and they completely change that gear and go in a different direction. So, what do you like? What do you guys think? What what causes people to change that in their minds? I'll take that. So, you know, I think it's going to vary from person to person. And let me say this, this is going to sound funny as we're talking about failing forward, but sometimes quitting is the best thing. And I know that kind of sounds crazy, but sometimes it's not the best fit for you. You know, um, I am not a person who believes that you get up every day and you should love everything that you're doing 24 seven or otherwise you shouldn't do it. Cause I think that there are things that we do to be successful that are just about fun. So, you know, it's not just that, but also, you know, sometimes people can't figure it out. I mean, one of the things I can tell you right now is kind of a running joke, but you know, I started real estate in 2005 doing traditional real estate and I pretty much thought about quitting every single year, you know, if not sometimes every single day, because you know, sometimes it gets hard. And honestly, one of the reasons that I probably didn't quit in 2008 or 2009 is the economy sucked. I didn't have anything else to do. So all I had to do was push forward. But you know, what I've learned from that is that when things get hard and you push through and Anthony didn't say this, but it came to my head when he, when he was mentioning something is kind of like the, uh, the compound effect. So maybe we do a little something today and we do a li- that same thing a little the next day and we do a little bit the next day. And you know, when we start out, it's like pushing a gigantic boulder and after a while, it's pretty easy to push that boulder. It's moving along. But, you know, if you're not willing in our business specifically to take those little actions over and over and over again, you know, you and I say this all the time, success is boring, Michael. But mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the things, you know, sometimes people do that. I think also people quit for security. You know, I, I know if I go to, you know, Walmart. I live in a Walmart country. I can go to Walmart and I can make $75,000 a year. And I'm not saying that that's what it is, but I know that. And I know that that's the exact paycheck I get. And, you know, I could probably go get a job today at Walmart for $75,000, but I can make a heck of a lot more money 
you know, working in real estate. But also the truth of the matter is I never lose money when I go to a job every day. Like, you know, I've had months, Misty's had months. I know you probably have had months, Michael, where you get up and Anthony's probably said the same thing. I spent $10,000 and I made eight. Well, that doesn't happen when you go to a job. So there's, there's lots of things that are, that are behind quitting. And, you know, we need to evaluate what's best for us. And more than that, that is what we're willing to do and what we're willing to endure to get to the goals. I, I love this statement that, and again, I'm going to tweak what you said a little bit, Anthony, but I say every decision either moves us towards our goals or away from our goals. So mm-hmm. that's my thoughts on it. Missy, yeah, go ahead. I'll add to it. So, you know, a little self-reflection here. Once I really identified why I was doing what I'm doing every single day, I stopped thinking about quitting. So there for a long time when I was just doing the daily grind and I'm talking, you know, specific to real estate, there's a lot of different elements to why people quit different things, but specific to real estate, I thought about quitting all the time, like all these hours, all this that I'm putting into it, is it really worth it? But when I started coaching with Club Wealth, that was the first thing that we dug into was why, why are you here? Why are you doing this? And once I really, and it's changed, but once I really got clear on that, I wake up every day and I know why I'm doing it. And so I think a lot of agents maybe that are getting started don't have that, that understanding, that deep why of why you're getting up every day and doing this grind day in and day out. So now Misty, I got it. I want to, first of all, I love what you just said. I want to challenge you on it a little bit. And when I say challenge, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, and I think it's super valuable. What I want to challenge you on is, and, it, and I think this could be said of anybody, I don't think that the desire to quit is a one-time thing, and I don't think that the solution to it is a one-time solution. I think that it's something that we are constantly solving. Anthony, to your point, you know, when you talk about failing forward, sometimes quitting is an act, right? Sometimes quitting is, is an action we take. Uh, sometimes it's just not doing the things that we should be doing to continue to move forward, as you guys have talked about. But I, I really believe that throughout our lives, we're going to have multiple encounters with this, this, this thing, right? This, this obstacle, these challenges that are going to cause us to want to quit. And I think we've got to find ways to solve this multiple times over and over and over again. So here's the question I would pose to everybody watching right now. Um, all of you, uh, if you could do me a favor, everybody watching on Facebook right now, type into your screen. If you have ever felt like quitting what did you do to get back up, right? So first of all, just type in, have you ever felt like quitting? If the answer is yes, say yes. If the answer is nope, I've never felt like quitting, then type in no, I'm curious. Is there anybody out there that really never felt like quitting? And so and Brian Curtis is the first one to type. He's like, yes, absolutely. And I, and I would say, I would echo that same thing. So Mike, I'm gonna pose this question specifically uh, to Anthony and Misty now. You two guys, what have you done? Anthony, you're talking to us about feeling forward. And before you answer that, I want to hit Misty with, Misty, I know at different times in your career, you've asked yourself, why am I doing this? What is, what is driving you forward? How have you overcome that? Honestly, having a coach beside me is probably the biggest element because it's the person that I go to when I didn't have a mentor next to me reminding me that you need to do this. And these are the reasons why you told me to do this. So having a coach has been a big dynamic and life changer for me. Honestly, at the end of the day, I call, you know, my coach, if it's, I am done, I'm ready to get rid of this team and start over. 
And the other thing is just having, you know, little things like having vision boards. It always comes back to my why I'm doing this because every day, I mean, there's hardships in real estate. So the habits of rituals, getting up early, doing the things I need to do, looking at that vision board, remembering why, you know, why I'm doing this, why I'm having this hard conversation today, why I lost money last month, you know, why all of this, it always comes back to that. Um, but I think having a strong mentorship around you, whether it's a coach or a group of people that are doing it daily, that that's helped me tremendously. So I love what you just said about having a routine or rituals that you go through, because I'll tell you, for me, that's been huge, right? Because as an example, right now, if I, if I, if I got frustrated and wanted to quit today, my schedule's got appointments booked out six weeks in advance, sometimes t 10 weeks in advance. And guess what? Wow, that's awesome. I guess I've got my phone on uh, not vibrate. But, you know, my schedule's literally booked way out in advance. And so if I wanted to quit today, it would be very, very hard for me to do that because I've got people counting on me and expecting me to show up. Um, and I've got rituals every single day that get me out of bed, right? And it's not that there's anything spectacular about those rituals. It's just, you know, I get up. I take a shower, I brush my teeth, I get dressed, I do, you know, like I just, I have a routine that I follow on a daily basis. Uh, so Anthony, I want to hear about you. How do you solve that? And, and tell us, because you know, your, your premise is failing forward, right? So tell us about times that you failed and how you've overcome those. Oh my gosh. Um, so there's actually been a lot of instances where we failed our way forward. And I think we fail forward every single day. Um, we are still a new team. You know, I've been in the business for five years now. And so, you know, everything that we're experimenting with the team, new systems, new models, in a way right now it might seem successful. And yet, I don't know, two years from now, that, that could be a moment where it's like, wow, we really failed our way forward from there. Um, and so I think in, in instance, for instance, is when we first started building the team, there was only one or two or three of us. And we built the systems and models around three people. However, it wasn't scalable when you get to 10 to 12 people. And so are there tough and fierce conversations you have to have to either change structure and get everyone to get buy-in on the new structure and how it's a win-win for everybody? So failing forward happens every single day in every single role that you're in, whether you're a leader, whether you're an agent or your support staff, everybody's failing their way forward in the role. I think you just have to create a culture where that is acceptable. And as long as you trust that the intention was that they were doing their best and the intention was not to do any harm to the business or anybody, you have to be able to promote and support the growth of your people, yourself, and everybody in the organization. Yeah, that's huge. And I think you're right about that. If that's kind of a cultural thing on your team and everybody buys into the notion that, hey, look, we're going to screw up. It's not going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Then guess what? Magic happens. And that's one of the things we tell people when they first come on our team, we're very clear with them. We say, Hey, look, you're going to cost me $10,000, $20,000. You're going to screw something up. That's going to cost this team a lot of money. And you know what? It's okay. Don't feel bad about that. Now, what you need to do is fail forward, right? Work from that, figure out how do we avoid ever letting that happen again. And, but at the end of the day, I want decision makers on the team. I don't want a bunch of people that are relying on me for each and every decision that they've got to make throughout the day because that does not create synergy. That does not create leverage. All that does is create bottlenecks that are all reliant upon me. So, yeah, that's huge. Brian and uh, Missy, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I live by failing forward 
fast. So that's kind of my motto that has served me well, but it's crazy looking back. I mean, I'm in a really cool place in my business right now after kind of stepping out for a little while and it's all starting to make sense for me. But like you, Anthony, we're, we're a new team. Um, I've only been doing this, this team thing for a short period of time, but you know, there for a little while, while I was putting leaders in place, I had to step back and have a lot of faith and I had to lose some money and I had to let them kind of fail as well, which ultimately cost me money. But looking back now, they were either going to fail and leave or they were going to fail and soar. And the ones that stayed and soared, I mean, me stepping back and allowing that to happen, it hurt. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There were some points in time where I thought, this is a big fail. Like, I don't know if this is really going to work. But, you know, the, the ability to do that, and I think that is the true test of leadership. Can you step back and have trust in others? And it is scary. And I think I kind of did it not necessarily intentionally. I think the circumstances kind of set me up to step backwards, but doing that allowed so many others to step up and become leaders. So I like what you said. It really resonated with me. You know, it's interesting. Oh, go ahead, Brian. I was just going to say, so one of the, one of the best ways to fail forward, in my opinion, is, and Misty kind of hit on this, is get a coach, get a mentor, get somebody. Because here's the thing, your best thinking got you where you're at today. I mean, that's just, that's just what it is. You know, your actions and your beliefs and all that stuff, that's got you where you're at. And it doesn't mean that's a bad place, but we all plateau at times. I mean, you know, okay, so we're, we've got a team of five people and this you know, feels really good. All of a sudden we've got a team of 10 people and then this is, you know, then that, but we have different things or we're doing 10 transactions a year and now we're doing 50 transactions a year. But to go to that next step, and when you realize that you're failing is reaching out to somebody and, you know, success leaves clues. So do what other people are doing. You know, don't, I always say, don't be like Brian, don't reinvent the wheel. I, I did a, I invented a lot of wheels that by the way, I didn't actually invent. I just didn't realize that I could have just copied what somebody else was doing. And I think that that's probably the biggest mistake that people who switch careers or go into a career is, you know, for me is I didn't get out of my own way on the front end. And once I got out of my own way, it got a lot easier. It doesn't mean that it's simple. It doesn't mean there's not bad days, but at least there's a plan to move forward. And that's probably the thing that's most frustrating. You ask what makes people quit. I think a lot of people quit because they don't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they did, first of all, that's huge. And I think you're very on track with that in terms of, I think that, you know, because people don't know what to do next, you know, quitting seems a lot easier. One of the things that I've struggled with and, and, you know, it's funny, I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, those of us that are, you know, having great success in various areas of our lives are, and, and, and those that appear to be having great success on Facebook, right? Or, you know, it's, they've got the, the Facebook lives going on. I think the, the challenge some of us have is feeling like, wait a minute, you know, there's all these people out there that are having all this success. And then I, you know, I'm over here feeling and all I see is my failures and other people's successes. And I feel inadequate. I feel like, why is it that I'm not having the success that person is having? And what I would, what I would say to that, and I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts on this as well, is stop comparing yourself to everybody else. Because it doesn't matter if somebody else is having success or not. And, and you know, it ebbs and flows, right? You know, I, like I saw Tristan Ahamada was watching just a minute ago, and I think Tristan may still be watching. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, it'd be easy for people to look at Tristan and say, look at this guy. He's uber successful. He's having all this, this success. 
He can do no wrong. Nothing breaks for him. Nothing fails for him. Uh, and the reality is, yeah, it does. He has moments too where he wonders, how am I going to carry on? And I know I do. I, I'm sure that you three all do. And we all get to that spot in our life where we just wonder, how in the world am I going to be able to continue moving forward when all it seems like is I just keep getting hit by roadblock after roadblock after roadblock? And you start to peel away from the most important things in your life. In your business, here's an example. One of the first things that people, that people quit on when times get tough, they'll quit on coaching and they'll quit on lead generation because those seem like great places or easy places to save money. When in reality, those are two of the most important things you can have happening in your life and in your business are coaching and lead generation. If you shut those two things down, now you're isolating yourself and now you've got to go again from attracting business and attracting success back to chasing business and chasing success. Uh, so it just, it becomes very challenging to continue to fail forward. Um, so Anthony, tell us more about this. Tell us more about the formula for how do I fail forward instead of just failing and falling on my face? Yeah, yeah. So real quick, Michael, what I want to add to what you were saying about, you know, comparing yourself to others. One of my favorite sayings, it's a bold law, is don't compare your insides to other people's And I think it's very easy as a new agent, as an experienced agent, you know, wherever you're at, you're always looking at somebody else's outsides and comparing what you feel like on the inside to them. And you, you don't have a right really to compare yourself to them because you haven't been through the trainings that they've been through to get where they're at. You haven't failed forward or had the hardships that they had and you don't have the mindset that they have. So you don't have a right to compare yourself yet until you've, let's say, got into coaching or taken a certain training a certain amount of times. That's when you have the right to start comparing, hey, I've done this 15 times. They've done it 15 times. Why aren't I there yet? Only after you've done the same things and experienced it, that's when you have the right to compare. Until then, you have to do what they've done to get where they're at. And I think that does lead to people thinking they're inadequate. They start to feel like, hey, I'm more talented than this person. Why aren't I having the results yet? And then they start to doubt themselves. Um, and so that's what I wanted to add about what you were saying. Your question about failing forward. What was the question again? Sorry about What's that. What's the formula? What does that look like to fail forward? I mean, so I make a mistake, right? I screw something up. And dude, the, for me, this happens a lot, right? So I blow it completely. I fall flat on my face. I, you know, a lot of times the whole world's watching, right? Or at least it feels that way. Feels like everybody around me and, and is, is watching. And then I hear from the people closest to me oftentimes, why don't you just do something different? You know, this isn't working for you. You know, and they think they're doing the best they can. For me, it was when I was brand new in real estate. Uh, you know, I was, I was working 100 hour plus weeks. I was literally sleeping at the office. I was sleeping under my desk. This is before I worked from uh, home. And, uh, and I'll tell you, my parents were telling me over and over and over again, why don't you get a job at McDonald's? You'd make more money, you'd, you know, blah, 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 blah. And the sad truth is they were right, right? And so, but I didn't want to quit. I didn't want to give up, and, but it, everybody around me, and they thought they were telling me the right thing, right? They, they weren't doing it to be mean. They were doing it because they loved me and they wanted to help me. But the reality is what they were doing was telling me to quit. And I'm not, I'm not wired that way. I just wasn't going to allow failure to dictate my, my path or my, 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 who I am. And, uh, and so that's what I want to know is how do you, in a moment like that, and so, first of all, I'd love to hear one of your moments. What was a defining failure for you? And two, how did you dig yourself out of it? 
Yeah. So one, one of my biggest failures was um, I was one year in the business. I, I always remember this one. I was one year in the business. I mean, we hired our first assistant for the team. My wife and I got in the business together. Then we hired our assistant number two. And right when we hired her, of course, I did all the same activities. And right when we hired her, I, didn't, I did not open an escrow for about three months. And so it was pretty scary. You know, we couldn't project the paycheck coming in. Um, this new person joined our team, depending on me now to provide for her family as well. Because that's one thing that's scary too as a team leader. You're not just providing for yourself and your family anymore. Other people are depending on you to provide for their family also. Um, I was only 26 at the time. And so I was thinking, man, I hired this person. I'm three months in. How am I going to dig myself out of this hole? And I think to answer your question, how do you get out of it? It's take extreme ownership. When you take extreme ownership over your circumstances and you know the only way to get out of it is through yourself, maybe a shift in mindset, um, get a coach, get an accountability partner, you're one belief away from everything changing. And so when you take extreme ownership over that and either you fa your failure of your team or yourself rides on you or the success of your team rides on you, it, gives you, it empowers you to take action and learn from your previous experience what to do differently and grow from that so it wouldn't happen again. And so after that, we dug ourselves out. I think since then, we've, um, I think we went like five years without never having, a, having no escrows at one given time. And so it was a moment we learned from that don't take your foot off the gas, um, even when you're bringing people on, slowing down to speed up. So let's talk about that because I know there's people watching this right now and, and all of you, Brian, Misty, and Anthony, I, I'm telling you, there's people watching this right now that are in what they consider to be failure right now, that are struggling, that are, that are having a hard time, whether it's with this business, whether it's with a relationship, maybe they're in a marriage that's not working out the way they'd like it to, maybe they've got a friendship or maybe they, who knows, it could be any part of their life that isn't going quite the way they want it to. And they're thinking to themselves right now, I'm in failure. I want to know, how do we dig them out of that? How do these, how do you, you know, what, what is it that you say to yourself in that moment? And Missy, I know you've been there. I know you've had challenges where you're just like, I mean, this can't be my, the rest of my life, right? I mean, you've got a very powerful backstory. Um, and so what do you say to yourself in that moment? What advice would you give to the people that are watching right now that are struggling with that? And by the way, folks, type into your screen, what is it? What is the thing that you are failing at right now? What is the thing you're struggling with the most right now? So Misty, go ahead, you first. I, you know, this probably comes from having a, a counseling background, but I absolutely 100% know that what we're living today is just a product of the, the activities that we were doing 90 days ago, six months ago, a year ago. So I always have the mindset that I can change my life in 90 days. Like I can, I can start doing whatever it is. And I know there's, you know, there's personal situations that, that other people are involved and it gets more complicated, but for myself, you know, I know that I can't control other people. So the activities that I do today will ultimately be the life I'm living in 90 days. And I always just really look at it that way. And I also just have to disconnect from the rest of the world. I have a lot of haters because people don't understand me. They don't understand what I do. So I've had to just separate myself from that and just work on myself, which I think is what's created the, the introversion that I have. I've become a, a true introvert, but it served me well and I'm living my best life. And I know the struggles that I have today 
are a product of what I was doing 90 days ago. A thousand percent, it's so clear. So um, just small activities every single day to move in the right direction. How, how about the truly hopeless? How about those folks that feel like, and I, and I get what you're saying. I, I get that, you know, we got to do today what we want to have come to fruition 90 days from now, especially in this business, right? But what if I'm at a point now in my business where I can't pay my mortgage? I can't pay the rent. I'm questioning, you know, I joined a team and I'm wondering, is that, was this the right thing for me? You know, should I really be on this team? Should I really be in this business? Um, you know, what do you, what do you say to people like that? What, do, you know, how do, how do you get out of that spot in your life that you, all you want to do is just give up and go get a regular job? Yeah. Hey, can I answer this one, Michael? Yeah, so, please. While you were talking, Missy, I was thinking, and I think when people start to get into failure, that mindset, it, it really is just your, it's just one person's perspective. And for us, let's say, for instance, I have 10 escrows right now and five of them are just horrible, falling apart. I should have been able to avoid those things. And yet for other people, they're like, wow, you have five escrows that are going good and five that are going bad. I would love to have five escrows that are going good right now. You know, so it's all about the perspective of, of where you're at in your definition of what failing is. Um, I think one thing that I've learned two years ago that was one of the biggest ahas I had was, you know, there are two types of people in this world. There are people that are motivated through positive reinforcement, like, wow, we did amazing this year. That's going to fuel them to get to the next level the next year. And then there's the people that are motivated by, I don't want to say negativity, but it's putting themselves down. It's like, wow, I got an A in this class. However, I should have really got A plus. So it pushes them hard to go get that A plus next year. The, the way you have to think about it yourself is you have to trick yourself into which is the way that motivates you. So the way I figured that out is my wife is motivated through negativity. I'm motivated through positivity. And so when we break a record, be number one or whatever, she would be really excited, like, yeah, that's great. And yet we should have got that anyways. And so in my mind, it kind of put me down instead of pushed me forward to the next level. Whereas you have to learn how to communicate with yourself to enhance yourself and get yourself to the next level. What I needed her to um, motivate me by was saying like, wow, you did a great job. We broke records. Look at this amazing life that we've created. That would have gotten me to the next level. And so there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's what is the way that motivates you to get to the next level and, and uh, coach and train your environment to enhance you in that same way. Just like you need to learn how to motivate and train your team, they need to know how to get you to the next level as well. So you're training and coaching everyone around you. Well, hold on right there. Now, I think you just touched on something very, very powerful. And actually, I got to put a shout out to our sponsor, Wise Hire, before I forget, or I'm going to forget. But uh, I want to thank everybody at Wise Hire for making these shows possible. Uh, if you guys are looking to uh, recruit or hire, uh, definitely take a look at clubwealth.com. And maybe Tara, if you could post this in here, or, or Brian, or anybody, uh, it's clubwealth.com forward slash Wise Hire. Uh, and uh, definitely take a look at them. Now, you just touched on something, Anthony that I think is so important. And I think that people miss this. And it is, I might be the team leader and or, and or I might be in a leadership position in some way, but that doesn't mean that I can't look to the people around me on my team for the support that I need when I have times where I'm struggling, right? Now, I'm not saying that we should vent on our team. That's not something we should do. 
right? That's what your coach is for. But when it comes to picking you up, you know, picking yourself up and getting re-motivated, your team can be a great resource for this. Uh, but the key is you've got to give everybody on your team permission. And here's the other thing that I think is really a big key with this. I think that as we allow our teams to help with this, I think that we also give ourselves permission to be more transparent. And I think that our teams really appreciate that. I think the people around us appreciate knowing that, hey, you know what? Misty might look like Superwoman, but you know what? She has bad days too. Um, and sometimes she needs somebody to pick her up. And I think taking that a step further is go out of your way when somebody does do that. When somebody, and it could be the smallest thing. It could just be they said hi with a smile, right? Take the time to thank them for that. Take the time to say, you know, I just want to let you know, I really appreciated that when you greeted me this morning, you greeted me with a smile. It really made my day. I needed to hear that today. I needed to see that today. I needed to experience that today. Um, and start, and I think this is, a, a, you know, when you talk about failing forward, I think one of the things that becomes a major component is we have to start finding victory, finding joy in the small victories, right? Instead of looking for the big wins, be aware of and be appreciative of the small wins. You know what? Uh, you know, I'm going through an intersection and man, I didn't get hit by a car in the intersection today. That was great. Right. Maybe that's, maybe that's your big win or, Hey, I woke up this morning or like, you know, we've all heard the, the talk. I can't remember the Admiral's name, uh, but he gave the great talk on, you know, get up and make your bed first thing in the morning so that you've got at least that one small victory that, you know what? I made my bed. And if that's all you have and you have to start with that, that's fantastic. That is a starting point. Mm -hmm. So, all right, good stuff. So, Brian, I want to, uh, and actually, before I turn it over to Brian, hold on, there's something else I wanted to take a look at. We had a couple of great uh, uh, points in here that people had made. Um, as an example, a lot of people typing in, uh, and by the way, thank you guys for typing these in, uh, are saying things like they're failing at systems and accountability, uh, hiring agents. Uh, I see a couple of people talking about systems, staying in production while running a team. I want you guys to talk about this. How do you overcome some of those challenges? Let's start with the first one. Let's start with systems and accountability. Because I know a lot of people in this business feel like, well, I've got to have all my systems just right before I can build a team. I've got to have the onboarding system and the training system and all this stuff's got to be perfect before I can move forward. What would you guys say to that? You know how I feel about that. You know, perfection um, is it leads to procrastination. Perfection leads to keeping yourself from, from being great, actually. So, you know, most people, I've heard this over and over again, I don't know the right script to say, I don't know, have the injection handlers, whatever the case may be. And, and really all that is this rationalization. So, you know, I can give leads to an, a person who has literally been an agent for one day. And if that person gets on the phone and just it says one simple script and just tries to build relationship with people, that person's going to set more deals, you know, set more appointments simply by calling 50 to a hundred people a day versus the agent. Like I'll say it's me. So if, versus if I decide to call five people a day, that person who calls 50 people a day, even though I've closed thousands of transactions, they'll do better than me. And, and that's the thing that I think people miss is that, the majority of this, I heard somebody say this one time, is that 80% of life is simply showing up. And, you know, for our business, if we're a prospecting-based business like our team, simply showing up means that I, I make my phone calls, you know, that I that do my follow-ups, that I go on the appointments. That's showing up in our business. You know, sitting and waiting for the phone to ring is not showing up. But doing, you know, the, the basically, you know, again, if you're on my team, I want you to make phone calls. I want you to set appointments. I want you to go on appointments and I want you to write contracts. 
And, and those are the four things. And it's extremely simple. It's also very hard at times. So I get that too. But, you know, simply showing up and showing up every single day, I guarantee you that the person who's consistent over and over and over again will do significantly better than the guy who knows every script, every NLP, every objection handler, but, you know, only makes phone calls once a week. It just, it, it works better simply to show up every day and do the things that you need to do. Yeah, I hear it. Missy? So I used to be an overthinker too and wanted to build out all the systems and have everything perfect before everybody arrived, but that was not serving me. And looking back now, I, I have a different mindset around it and it's working. It works so well. So, you know, you put somebody in place and then you build a system, you know, whatever it is, maybe it's a failure that you had, you challenge a challenge, um, whatever it is, I constantly have a mindset of how can I automate this? Like, how can I make this system actually work? And I know I drive my team crazy because they'll come up with something and I'm like, that's great, but we're humans and it'll break. But you've got to get into that scenario before I think you can actually build a system that really works. So we just lead with people and then we build the systems around that. And it's just, it's worked so well. So now it's almost like the systems kind of linger behind the, the people. Previously, boy, we were built out to, to be a mega company. We could go, you know, statewide and have all this fun stuff, but we had no people. And when the people arrived, the systems did not work like they were supposed to. So now, you know, put your people in place. Your onboarding might suck the first time. I mean, honestly, ours did, but mm -hmm. it gets better and better and better every single time. And there's something to say about that. Yeah, I love where you're going with that because here's the thing. I hear so often from people all the time, people that we're coaching, people that we're bringing into coaching that, oh, you know, I got to get this right, then I can take action, right? Once I have this in place, then I can make the calls or then I can start recruiting or then I can start whatever. And it's like, guys, listen, you're going to screw stuff up. And I think that the real art, and, and I'd love to hear what you guys think on this, but I think the true art of failing forward comes down to a couple of things. Number one, it needs to be a willingness to fail, right? You got to be willing to be wrong. You got to be willing to screw stuff up. You've got to get your ego out of it because here's the thing. The reality is if we get too worked up about failure, it's because our egos are driving us and not our desire to succeed, right? If it's ego that's driving us, then when we're wrong, we feel bad. We're down on ourselves. Whereas when we take ego out of the equation, all of a sudden now, it's not, oh my gosh, I can't believe I failed at this. It's, all right, that didn't work. What's next, mm -hmm. right? It's work the problem. It's figure out the problem. And so now when you talk about systems, it's, you know, so many people, have, you know, they get stuck in analysis paralysis and they just, they got to have the perfect system before they pull the trigger. I've always been a ready, fire, aim kind of guy, Right. And, and people, I'll tell you, Brian, I, I don't know if, if Brian hates that or loves that about me or I don't know, but, but I, I know that a lot of people, I'm freaking crazy with that. But the reality is I would rather make a decision and have it be the wrong decision than to be indecisive. I would rather make a decision to take action and take action that turns out wrong than to not take any action at all. And I really do believe that, that chance favors the bold. I think chance, you know, the, the opportunity comes to those who are willing to take risks, calculated risks. I'm not saying be foolish, right? But at the same time, we don't need all conditions to be perfect before we can launch. We just need to get out there and freaking do it. 
and get our get our ego out of it and be willing to fail. Um, all right, any thoughts on that before we go to the next uh, question from the audience? I, I like that one thing about the yeah. systems. The systems will always be there. You'll, you'll take a lot of time to create the system. One of the big challenges we had is we take time, take a step backward, create the system, we'd operate it, and then there was nobody holding that system accountable or everyone in the team accountable to that system. And so make sure that when you build the system, you have accountability, accountability measures around it to make sure everyone is doing it that same way. Because all it takes is one person or maybe even the leader to not follow that system. And then that system was a complete waste of time again. And so have accountability around it. Mm -hmm. And you think about all the time it takes to create that system, right? And again, again, if if nobody's there to hold you accountable, you have to inspect what you expect, right? So if nobody's there to inspect what you expect, or you don't have any kind of an automated way to inspect what you expect, all you've done is make your stuff more complicated, which reduces the chance of success. Because here's the reality. All the systems, all the automation, all the things that we put in place, and Brian, I know you'll love this, you start thinking about the AI and the auto responders and the auto, you know, post, all this stuff. All that stuff is designed to do is get us voice-to-voice and face-to-face with people more often. That's really what it should be about. It shouldn't be about replacing us in our jobs. It should be about helping us be more efficient in our jobs. And here's the thing. We got to have money to do it. And and being a Keller Williams guy, Anthony, you'll appreciate this. You got to lead with revenue, right? So before I can afford to put all the AI in place and buy all the systems and get the big CRMs that cost a lot of money and pay for all this marketing and stuff, before I can get there, I got to go out and make some freaking money. And a lot of times that just means I got to pick up the freaking phone. And as hard as that is for a lot of people to hear, sometimes that's just what you have to do. Um, and so, all right, that being said, I love what Amy Izzo said. She says, ready, fire, aim. That's me, but it drives me and other, uh, others around me a little nuts too. And you know what, Amy? It's okay. And by the way, Amy's one of our coaches here at Club Wealth. Love her to death. It's okay that you drive the people around you a little bit nuts because here's the thing. I'll bet Einstein drove people around him nuts, right? I'll bet that all of these uber successful people, Oprah Winfrey, I'll bet she drives Stedman nuts once in a while, right? I'll bet she does. Why? Because she's on a mission. She's got a vision. And I'll bet the reason they're together, one of the big reasons why they're together is because he at some point had to learn that, you know what, sometimes I just got to allow her to do what she's going to do. I got to get out of her freaking way. I got to understand that she's going to move at a billion miles an hour and I might only be moving at a hundred miles an hour, but that's okay. I'm going to watch her go by and I'll see her again when she comes back around. But at the end of the day, I got to respect that she's got ideas and she's got goals and aspirations and she's going to do some stuff that I'm going to think it's completely out of left field. And I think that's a bad idea, but guess what? I got to allow her to fail. And guys, this is a great parenting lesson as well. What about our kids? Are we, are we there to make all the decisions for our kids or do we need to allow them to fail? If, if we know that we need to allow ourselves to fail, right? This is huge. We need to allow ourselves to fail just like we need to allow our kids and our team members to fail. And if in our spouses, right? I, like, I don't get to control what Tara spends money on. This is a perfect example. I, it's not mine to control, right? It's, yes, it's our money. And yes, when it comes to big expenses, we should talk about what we spend our money on, that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, she's going to buy things once in a while that I don't agree with. She's going to spend money on something that I'm going to be like, that was dumb. But you know what? I'll bet I spend money on 10 times more things that she thinks is dumb than the times that she spends money I think is dumb. But it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, I'm committed to her. And regardless of how often she fails, I understand that we are both in a learning process. And I think that's really what it comes down to is we have to accept that there really is no such thing as failure. 
there's only learning. There's only growing. And to the extent that we can learn from our mistakes, we will grow. To the extent that we fail to learn from our mistakes, we are condemned to repeat them. And it will happen over and over again. So, uh, all right, good stuff. So let's go. Okay, we've only got just a few minutes left here before we uh, move on. I'm seeing some people are saying hiring agents or stay. Shauna Frazier, I love what Shauna said. She said that staying in production while running a team is a source of failure for her. She feels like she's failing at that. Brian and Misty, I know you've gone through this. Anthony, I'm assuming you've gone through this as well. Talk to us about that moment. Talk to us about how do I grow a team? So how do I, how do I get out there and recruit while I've also got to be in production? Because I got to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. That's currently where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm still in production with the team. Um, I know, Misty, you're not. So can't wait to get where you're at. And yet what I've learned is, so I've built my business off of a lot of cold prospecting, open houses, follow-up, cold calling. That's how I built my business. And the more I transitioned into building the team, that was no longer sustainable anymore. I couldn't build my business off of just cold leads. It's interesting because last year, only 10% of my business was referrals and um, repeat clients, which is a really low amount. And that was my big intention this year was to increase that. And through coaching and intention and focus right now, from January to now, I'm at 50% referrals and past clients, which is amazing because if I had to still rely on my cold prospecting and build the team, our team would not be where it's at today. It's because of the focus and intention and the sphere that allowed me to create sustainable and consistent prospects and business that allowed me to do business and production as well. Um, if it wasn't for that, yeah, it, it's way too much to handle. So I got to challenge you, but before Brian jumps in, and Brian, I want to hear what you have to say. Before, before Brian does, though, I got to challenge you a little bit on that. I, I, yeah. I was the same way. So m- most agents get 61% of their business from their past clients, sphere of influence, repeat or for all that kind of stuff. 61%, or at least that was number six years ago. That number dropped to 41%, or it was 40, uh, 44% uh, last year. And uh, so it's a big drop, big, big drop right? Uh, so here's the concern. The concern is that I don't want too much of my business coming from a repeat and referral clients. I want to be bringing in other sources because those turn into additional referral sources. And as I look at the business as a whole, I don't want more than 25% of my business coming from any one source. Um, so what I would suggest, Anthony, and this is what if, if I have, could have permission to coach you for just a moment, what I would suggest to you is grow the number of referrals that you're getting while simultaneously decreasing the amount of your overall business it makes up, right? So if you got, uh, you know, 100, if you did 100 transactions last year and, 20, and 50 of those came from referrals, well, I'd like to see you do 75 referral transactions next year. But I'd like to see you do 200 transactions so that 75 is a lower percentage of your overall business and you have more business coming in from other sources. Um, when I was at my peak, I had 12%, 12.2% of my business coming in from repeat and referral clients, which was important because I need to continually feed the, you know, feed my sphere of influence with new blood. Anyway, that being said, Brian, go ahead. So to answer your question, how do you run a team and stay in production? It, it, it sucks. And I'm not going to, I don't, I don't know a nice way to sugarcoat that. Um, 2015 and 2016, I outperformed my entire team. And that's what I, I'm not saying I was the number one agent. I'm saying if you add everybody's volume up and you add my volume up, mine was more. And I don't say that to brag because it, it sucked in a lot of ways. But what I will tell you is when you do that, 
now I can go out and buy more leads. Now I can go out and, and pay more people to be on our team. And basically, Michael's made this quote earlier, but we're leading with revenue. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it gives you the opportunity to do that. And by the way, when you're an agent who's out closing 30, 40, 50 deals a year and you have a team, you're very attractive. You know, I hate to say this, it's hard for that agent who's closed three transactions to build a team. By the way, it's not impossible. It can be done. It's just, I'll be honest with you, if I... It, if I want to go work for, you know, do I want to go work for me who's, you know, been doing this for 15 years and has got a, a big team or do I want to go work for the agent who, who started six months ago? The truth of the matter is that agent may actually be a better fit, but I'm more attractive because I've got this stuff in place. So, you know, that's how I did it. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but you know, for a while, sometimes you got to work. And, and I'll tell you this, I think I said this to you the other day on, on a phone call that you and I had, Michael, was I have never figured out how to work 40 hours a week. I figured out how to work 20 and be broke. And I figured out how, I'm, I'm down to about 60 now. I've definitely worked 80 or 100. But I, I just personally have never been good at working 40 hours a week because when you start doing all the things that you need to do, it snowballs. So, and here's the great thing, and this is a great way to build a team, in my opinion. If you over lead generate, it's really easy to recruit. You know, if I call somebody up and say, hey, Michael, I've got, uh, you know, 100 leads a month that I can't deal with. That's a heck of a lot better than, hey, I want you to come on my team and I'm going to teach you to circle prospect and call your sphere and call your referrals and do all this stuff. That's not any different than anybody else is doing. You have to offer a value, and unfortunately, you have to sometimes spend some money and have something in place to offer that value. So for me, it was basically I just did both for for a long time until we got to the point where I do that. And here's the thing. I still do transactions, and I'll probably do 15 transactions this year. But where does it come from? It comes from my sphere, past clients, referrals, that type of stuff. So, Yep. All right. So we had one of the questions we had was for you, Anthony. Gabe asks, what activity are you doing to increase referrals from past clients? Ooh, um, I think it, it's honestly just intention. Um, with Keller Williams, we have the 33 touch, and it tends to be overcomplicated at times. It really is just staying intentional with your clients, actually making the call, coming from contribution, um, and just building relationship with them. Um, you know, if you set a schedule in place that you're going to call them four times a quarter, we just had our client appreciation event um, on Saturday. We bought out a movie theater for the new Spider-Man movie. Um, we created like a video trailer for it. We texted it to all of our clients so that they saw it. I mean, the, the thing is, you have to be good at what you do, give them great service, and then you just have to be in their mind enough. So the moment that somebody says, hey, I'm thinking about buying or selling, your name pops up. Whether it's just a text from you or, hey, I was showing a property and I was driving by your house. Um, and one thing I know about houses is the longer you live in them, the more things that come up. Is there anything that I can help you with at this time? You know, it's just being in their mind. So that one moment that somebody says they're looking to buy or sell, they feel the confidence to refer you. You just got to do that enough time in the year, as simple as it is. So let me ask you this really quick, uh, Anthony. So we've got a free download that you've prepared for us. I'm putting the link for it in our, in our chat here uh, on the Facebook thread. It's clubwealth.com forward slash Anthony Manzon. Uh, that's M-A-N-Z-O-N. So tell us, what is this download? What are we going to get from this download? Yeah, so that's our new agent questionnaire. And so before we have anybody join our team, we have them go through what's called our launch week. And when we talk about failing forward, 
for the first five days that they join our team, we want them to get into massive action. So we make them um, or they have the choice and they have to make 100 contacts a day for the first five days. And so usually it's on a dialer. Um, and so the download is in order to get through launch week and be a part of the team, we ask you those set of questions to know before even getting into launch week, are you a good fit for the team? Are we the right fit team for you? How does this person best learn? What kind of environment does this person thrive in? Um, what are things that they've been you know, in adversity and overcome it? What have they been first place in? It's a set of questions for us that we ask every single candidate so we know before they even join the team or even audition for the team, are they a good fit for us and are we a good fit for them? They may be the best fit for us, but we may not be the best fit for them. Or we right. may be the best fit for them, but they're not the best fit for us. And the only way to create longevity in this business and have somebody who wants to be on the team and stay on the team long-term is if it's both mutually a win-win for both people. So that's our questionnaire we ask each person. Love it. So take a look at the questionnaire. I've posted the link in the chat here. I'll go ahead and pin that comment. Uh, and we are out of time. So very, very quickly, I want to get final thoughts, uh, 15 seconds or less from each of you. We'll start with Brian, then Anthony, and we'll let M Misty wrap it up. Uh, so Brian, go ahead. I'm going to just say simply, you're going to fail and make a choice. Fail, fail forward. It's, a, it's the best way to do it. You're going to learn from it. Be open to the fact that uh, you don't know everything and you know, take that in. When you make mistakes, there's definitely something to be learned from that. And uh, that's, the, that's the way we grow. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to say you're, you are going to fail forward. Be grateful for those opportunities. Be grateful that you've learned from it and, and take that learning experience and actually take it and don't make that mistake again. So as long as you're taking those learning opportunities and using those to fuel you for the next one, then you're always going to be moving forward. Love it. All right, Misty. Awesome. I would just say embrace failure, jump from failure to failure, learn to have the right mindset and understand why you want to do it and just be persistent. If you want it, go for it and just keep going and be persistent every single day. I love it. And mine would be, you know, along the same lines, it's accept the failure, right? Be willing to say, you know what? I love that I failed. I learned something from it. Figure out what that learning opportunity is and make sure for darn sure that whatever the mistake was, you put systems in place to prevent that from ever happening again. Then go out, find something that you can do right now to have success with, no matter how large or how small, so that you get that feeling of, you know what? I can, I, even though I failed at this, I can be successful at other things uh, and I can't, you know, so even if it's just, I'm going to make my bed or I'm going to go outside and I'm going to prune the vineyard or whatever, whatever you got to do to have even a small success end on a positive note that day and make sure you go to bed feeling good about something. All right, guys, thank you so much, Anthony. Thank you for being our guest. Misty, thank you for jumping in as our co-hostess with the mostest. And Brian Curtis, as always, thank you for being my co-host. Everybody, uh, this is Michael Hillickson signing off with Club Wealth. Remember, inside each one of you, there's a world-class beast just dying to get out. You got to choose to unleash that beast. So go do something world-class today. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.